He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellottified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta, and I'm here every week, as I am with the delicious, always, always optimistic, Alexia Cristina Postalidis. Opa. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, uh... I woke up thinking this morning, which is always a frightening thing. (laughs) It's always better to wake up and not think. But I woke up thinking this morning about covers and covering covers. It's a tipsy for musicians interested in working in the meetings and events industry. Now, the goal of music and events is generally to bring people together, whether on a dance floor or during a networking event. And the best way to do that is to engage people and encourage them to shed inhibitions, is to play music that is familiar to them, known also as covers. Now, this is not a condemnation of original music. We love original music. Who doesn't love the feeling a new song can ignite when you hear it for the first time? And I had that feeling just yesterday. But when the goal is to entertain, engage, motivate, or even relax event attendees, usually comprised of varying demographics and psychographics, the only way to do so is by covering covers and giving them tunes they know and love. And that is Matipsy. Oh my gosh. Um, that's very funny because that reminds me of my yaya. Oh, how so? Well, Oyaya Xeri Kalitera, which means Yaya knows best. Now, uh, so an example of this, um, she was having the priests and presbytera over for dinner, like she did all the time. And they came okay. over all the time. But every time they came over, she made the same thing because Father Theo loved her stifado. Papu decided one day that she needed to make something different, something new, because he insisted the priest had to be tired of the same dish. Uh-oh. And he was relentless. Yaya finally came and she made something else, but the disappointment was evident on Father Theo's face. And quite honestly, I really think that's the only reason he came to dinner. It took a while, but she got him to come back and was able to convince him and never strayed from the stepfather again. <laughs> and the moral of the story is Yaya knows her audience. Yaya knows best. Yes. Thank you. That's a terrific <laughs> Yayaism for today. Awesome. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So who who is our guest today? Okay. Well, we're very, very lucky. So since the release of his human LP, our guest today has been garnering considerable buzz. He has been featured in American Songwriter Magazine's Best New Music column and was named as one of the 100 hottest live unsigned artists by Music Connection Magazine. He's enjoyed great success with his original music. And get this, his song, It's Only Love, was featured in the movie All I Wish, starring Sharon Stone. His exposure to different cultures growing up has shaped and colored his writing, perspective, and voice as an American artist. Having been born in West Africa to Lebanese parents, the arts were only supported as a hobby and discouraged as a career. 
So he started his college life studying psychology and pre-med, but after one semester, no, his dream got too big and he courageously dropped out to pursue his passion. He splits his time between songwriting and playing live. And he says, quote, there isn't a day where I'm not grateful for the moment I decided to answer my calling. To be able to follow one's heart is one of the greatest gifts. And that gives me goosebumps. So please welcome the dynamic, talented, and gracious Joseph Ede. Woohoo! Woo is right! Woohoo wow. is right! It's an awesome intro. <laughs> all true. Yes, all, all true. true. All, all true. true. That's all the true. important thing. All true. Yes. Joseph, it's so great to have you on the show. Thank uh, you so much for having me. Well, and to meet you, quite honestly, because yes. I am always the last person to meet uh, artists these days. And so it's just a pleasure to meet you. I have had the opportunity over the last week or so to really indulge in your music and in you a bit and totally floored. Awesome. <laughs> but the way that we start this program is to give our listeners a bit more knowledge about who you are by asking you to answer our 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions? Yay! Okay. So this is how it works, okay? It's about the first thing that comes to mind. Alex has oh the clock. Two minutes. 10 <sighs> quick and simple questions. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> As a matter of fact... Done like a million gigs, but why is this so nerve-wracking? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Not knowing you, what's coming. For you, we'll do nine. Nine quick questions for you. Are you ready? Okay. Ready. Now, I would normally ask this question a different way, but because you're a musician, I'm going to ask, do you believe in magic? 100%. What do you love most about what you do? How I make people feel. Mm. Yes. The last and, that, time? and that in turn makes me feel so good. It's like the circuit that goes around. That's right. Called karma. When was the last time you tried something new? Ooh, I'm a Virgo. I love to do the same things. Um, I joined, <laughs> I joined, I know, I'm like this earth sign who's like super disciplined and I'm like, I do my things. Um, I actually joined a CrossFit like boot camp class um, a few months ago and it's completely like life-changing i was always somebody who just loved to work out by themselves i thought it was like this is this is this is me and then a friend of mine is a trainer and she convinced me to join her class and it, it's a game changer because it's very motivating so that was the last thing i tried that i was kind of hesitating about and you're still doing it i yes. assume yeah. great yeah still doing it what's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you oh boy completely blank creative it's my life what's the most memorable live concert show or festival you've ever experienced Oof. Um, probably honestly when I was in college I went to see the Indio girls <gasps> when they were like at the height of their craft and seriously like tears laughs emotions and and one of the greatest inspiring moments uh to be an artist and to be a writer is, is they they are truly um just so prolific and so deep and, and it was a just a beautiful moment they took love you the indigo a... girls yeah. love them amazing they took you on a ride huh they did they did just like such great live artist type that you're like this sounds better than the record like how is this possible yeah if mickey mouse weren't famous would you serenade him if he paid me enough <laughs> i knew you were that way. <laughs> sorry well, it is a business <laughs> no disparagement here but disney isn't known for high paying jobs ouch. sorry to say ouch um what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing um overthinking over over analyzing it's just my nature it's always been on the thinker so i got to give my mind things to do you're a Virgo, so you're a thinker. Yeah, that's right. You know it. <laughs> I know. It's one of those blessing, curse. You exactly. Know, those, yeah. Exactly. Uh, 
Uh, what, or rather, who is your favorite artist to cover? Um, to cover? It's you hard know, to pick one, but I say okay. Bob Dylan. I love covering Bob Dylan because I can really reinvent his songs to make them really kind of mine, you know, like uh -huh. put my spin on it. But I just, lo I love 80s rockers too, like Bruce Springsteen. And I do like a mean Brian Adams too. Like, I just love to rock out with those guys and and their ranges tend to be kind of where I'm at too. And uh, what did you want to when you were growing up? I wanted, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a psychologist when I was really young because I honestly didn't think being an artist was even an option. Mm. I, I didn't think that would be possible. I couldn't see how that would happen in the situation and home life that I was in. So I couldn't even dream of that. I thought that was for other people. You know, so psychology was like a way for me to connect. And I thought I could do this. So when you went to Cornell, uh, yeah. were you? Stony, Stony Brook. I went to Stony, Stony Brook. Stony yeah. Brook. Why did I think? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of, I'm know. so sorry. You went to Stony Brook. Were your parents? I was almost going to go with it. Cause I'm like, Ivy League. Yeah, I'll take it. Oh, yeah. hey, <laughs> you should have. Yeah. I would have. <laughs> no, thank you for being honest and correcting yeah. me. Cause we don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you went to Stony Brook. Yeah. Were your parents living here in the States or did you yes. leave home? No, no, no. We, yeah, uh, we moved to the States when I was 11. So, um, you know, it was after all that um, and graduated high school, went to Stony Brook and they were still living in Westchester County, which is a suburb of New York. So what gave you the chutzpah at, after that first semester to say, okay, no, this isn't going to work for me. I, I need to face the truth and also yeah. tell my parents this is not. Yeah, you that know, must have been a. It was so hard. Honestly, like to this day, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do um, because you have so many people counting on you and kind of it's their dream too. you know, every parent's dream. Some, you know, my, my parents' generation, ooh, my son's going to go to medical school. He's going to be a doctor. So after I graduated uh, college and I went for that semester, um, I'll never forget, I went for semester two. And one night I was outside with a couple of my classmates in the evening. We had a couple of beers and started singing. And I had been singing in college and high school. And I just, it just felt so beautiful. And I hadn't done it for a while. And I almost like started crying because I was so moved by, and I'm like, what? You know, so I went to sleep that night. The next day I'm studying for microbiology and I'm sitting there and the thought started. It started as a very small like tea and it turned into this huge snowball. And it started with like, what if you could do whatever you wanted to do? And that was a thought that came to me. And I thought, well, I don't know what would that what would that look like what would that be and that started going I'm like well you would you would be an artist you would go do this dream and it just after it came in and i thought i am here for everybody else i'm here because i don't think it's possible to do what i really want and um it just snowballed and i thought what if in this life you know i believe in past lives and stuff i thought what if this time around this time around, I get to do it my way. I get to do what I want to do. And I saw myself like seven years later as a doctor and saw myself as an unhappy person. And I woke up the next day and I just couldn't stop it. And I went to my student advisor and I said, listen, I need a leave of absence. Knowing in my heart that I probably was never coming back. Mm -hmm. And um, he warned me against it. He's like, listen, you know, I don't want you to regret anything. Um, and then I was on the next, uh, you know, I just, I, I left and I never, ever, ever regretted it. And, every, you know, I got to New York and it was like, moved to the city and everything started just to roll and open up. And I just thought, oh my God, like so many people just don't do this. They just keep going in a situation that they're not happy in. And one year turns to 10. And then before you know it, you're like, how is this my life? And I saw this, I was able to kind of look ahead and be like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. So I just jumped and did it. That's quite a download from the universe. 
Yeah. That is quite a download. Yeah. How, how did your parents handle that? How do they um, handle um, you focusing on music full time? My mother was very supportive. She was kind of always the, listen, I just want you to be happy. Um, my dad did not take it well. In fact, we, we had a hard time with each other for a couple of months after. He was just like concerned and he was worried and he thought maybe like, you know, something was wrong with me. And I'm like, no, I know what I'm up to. I'm actually re I'm the best I've been in a really long time. So that was hard, hard to get around. He, my dad was tough. He, he, it took him a long time to accept that I, I wanted to do this as a profession that I really and, wanted to go for it. And today? Today he's, he's good. He's totally accepted it. Um, unfortunately he doesn't ask too many questions. He's not like that interested in it. Um, but my, my mother is so on the ride. Like she has come to so many shows. When I go play in New York, she brings like tons of people to the uh. show. It's so wild. And you know, my dad's come out too. It's just that, you know, he just thinks, you know, and maybe it's because he didn't get to do what he really wanted to do. You know, it's, yes. it's hard to say, but sometimes it's tough with dads. It's like. You know, and at some point I had to just be like, hey, that's all right. That's, you know, it's the way it is. Yeah. I, well, I was just because I've never been a dad. And so I have a hard time understanding the, this is my dream for you. And I don't understand why you don't want to fulfill it. You should want this too. Right. I've never understood that mentality. You are a parent, Alex. Right. Yeah. What do you uh, it's, it's imperative that you raise your kids for who they are and that you listen to them. And I, you know, it just, it just to say how much I understand your father's perspective on this, because my mom was given a scholarship to Brown university in music. Cause she was a beautiful wow. pianist, but her parents would, her father wouldn't let her go. So she, oh. and she had no female advocate you know, back in those days, my Yaya, that Yaya didn't stand up for her. So growing up and wanting to be in the arts myself, it was discouraged. And I think it was in part because, well, I didn't get to do it. Why should you? Right. And my parents knew best. So I know best. And wow. they, yep. she wanted me to be a lawyer. And they think they're protecting you. So yes, it, it does come from a place where they're like, I'm protecting them from a life of struggle and hardships right. and all that. You know, but the beautiful thing is like my brother and sister both have kids and we were talking about this recently. The beautiful thing about allowing your children to do what they want is they also will never blame you mm -hmm. for not for their life. You know, you're right. It's like, listen, you're you're an adult. You're a free spirit. You do right. you. And then, you know, because because there's a lot of that going on, too. Like you in my life. And I just didn't want to be one of those people. I'm like, no, this is my life. I will do what I want to do. And I will suffer the consequences if there are. And in all fairness, they didn't have that choice. <laughs> exactly. Right? Anthony, exactly. Yeah. And, and this whole idea of doing what makes you happy is oh, new. It's new. Really. It's, it's relative. It's, right. It's totally. Totally true. I mean, if when my parents had done what made them happy, I probably wouldn't even be here. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't be here if my mom had defied her parents. Percent, right? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. True. They you know, and I luxury. think when right. you grow up in such a strong culture as you did, yep. and Anthony, yep. you and and myself, yep. Greek and Sicilian, yeah, it's it, we we are taught that success, what success looks like. Success looks like hard work toiling, not really being happy. And if you, if you have all those things, well, then you're successful, especially if you have all those things and you're making money, you know, that's the golden oh, yeah. ticket. Mm -hmm. And, and let's face it, you, your parents are, are right about everything. It's a tough life. Being a musician can be a yeah. really hard life. And even if you make it big, the amount of uh, enjoyment diminishes over the course of a career and if your love is to be on stage playing music and right. engaging people well that's going to be like 20 percent of your time because the rest of it is going to be about the business and so uh you know they're not wrong 
But on the Absolutely. other hand, if you are happy, first of all, you're prolific as all get out. It's amazing yes. that in the short Crazy. of your career, you've written as much yeah. as you have. You. And and actually, that brings me to my next question, because we started this this broadcast with a tip to musicians about covering covers. And you are a singer songwriter, a yes. very prolific, impressive writer. But you know, you work with us and you do events oh, yeah. and you do covers. And so would you give me your spin on my tipsy? Um, I actually was, was smiling when you were saying that uh, tipsy, sharing the tipsy, because um, I agree with you. I mean, I, yes, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, you know, and that's kind of what got me into the business in the first place. Um, however, I, I thoroughly enjoy cover gigs. I love doing them. But couldn't agree with you more in that when a client hires a live artist for an event, whether it's a corporate function or a birthday party or a wedding or whatever, they want to hear familiar music. They love music. And you could be the best writer in the world. Listen, you could be Jackson Brown. You could be somebody who's written amazing songs. Um, if they, they haven't heard the songs, while they can appreciate them, it's not going to be satisfying. I don't care how good the song is because you have to give them something to hang on to, to sing along with. And if they don't want to sing along, it's bringing up memories, it's making memories. And I think that's wonderful. And, um, you know, I know some artists who don't like to do them or they, they're like, well, I will only do original songs. Well, that's fine. There's definitely house concerts for that. There are venues for that. But for celebratory occasions and stuff like that, that's what the people want to hear. And it's better than having a DJ. I mean, they get the live artists, mm -hmm. you know, and you can make it your own, which is what I get off on. Mm -hmm. I love taking these songs and making them Joseph Eid style songs and delivering them in the way I connect with them. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. And of course you sprinkle in your songs. I mean, some of the best mm -hmm. moments I've had is, you know, I'll play like five covers people know, and then I'll sprinkle in one of my songs and somebody goes, who's that song by? Mm -hmm. And I go, oh, that's mine. You know, so you kind of you kind of sneak them in, mm -hmm. sneak them in. So you still get your uh, your songs out there during those gigs. But but yeah, I agree with you. I think it's it's important to be able to read the room that way. Your approach is brilliant. If you mm -hmm. ask me, yeah. it's brilliant yeah. because the familiar tunes actually bring the ears to you. If you just play music that they don't know, they just don't connect. Some they That's don't right. won't even hear it. That's it's right. that familiar line that brings them to you. You that's yeah. genius. I'm so, so totally. happy. Unsolicited, everyone. I just want you <laughs> totally. to know, lately unsolicited. And you, got, <laughs> and you got to remember, like they're there to they're not, you know, it, a lot of these functions, like you know, that I've worked with you guys and other agents with, like the people aren't there just for you. You are part of the party, right? They're there to connect with each other and have a good time, make memories. There's an occasion. And you are the entertainer. Now, if you're just playing songs they don't know, you are going to just be background. And the thing with me is I'm never background because when I start to play those songs, people start to engage. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, that song. And then before you know it, they're hanging out with you more than they are with their own mm -hmm. guests. And it's fun, you know. And you're getting applause when you're not solicitating. Right. Soliciting. You know, right. you're not, you're just playing your, so your songs in the mm -hmm. background sometimes and exactly you're catching exactly. ears, you finish a tune and you hear applause, which is right. a sign. Which those gigs. Yeah. You're doing something right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, songs fall out of you like rain. <laughs> I, you're quoted as saying yeah. songs yes. fall out of you like rain. How the hell does that feel? Because wow, that's amazing. It, it is really, you know, how everybody kind of has their gift. I feel like that one's mine. It's just, I just love to, I, I can honestly sit down and write 20 songs in one day if I really wanted to. They're not all going to be amazing songs, but there's just always something to write about. And I've been a writer my whole life. I journal every day, you know, and I just love to make, connections in life and patterns and when that happens i want to write a song about it mm. it's like it's endless does the journaling help keep those juices going yeah 
it does. It also like, yeah, it, and it keeps, it keeps the juices going and it also keeps me, I start my day journaling. So it kind of sets the tone and, you know, instead of just starting your day, walking out of bed and then like letting the wind take you, you kind of write and it's a grounding thing. So, Yeah. It takes okay. a great a great deal of discipline to journal like that as well, uh, sure. and I am so envious. It, you're you're inspiring me to to journal again, yeah. and I just went through a a master's program. Journaling was one of the things that we mm. were supposed to do along the way, and I just I just couldn't do it. It's amazing to me when you have so much to write about because. I mean, we're both human. We both yeah. go through life in, in varying ways, but pretty much life is the same, you know, right. and yet you find so much to write about. Right. It's incredible. Uh, and it takes the discipline is in allowing your thoughts to stream, right? And in just following right. them and not rushing through or feeling like, I got to get this done, you know? Right. And then, and then one, one thing I think that helps a lot is like to go back to your point of why journaling is important, I think for everybody to do, mm -hmm. is that I, I learned a long time ago that when you journal, the reason why it's so effective and they say it's like it's therapeutic is because when you journal about your life, you start to see yourself as you start to become the observer of your life. And you're, you're a character in your story because you're writing about it. And they say that the act of writing about your life and journaling about it, all of a sudden it creates this space between you and yourself. And then you don't merge as much with the ups and downs and get, you know, because now you've kind of stepped back and you're, you're in the seat of the observer. Same idea behind therapy, psychology, you know, psychological therapy, psychologists and stuff. Is when you talk to someone about your life, you start to become the writer of your life. You start to become the creator. You kind of step back and you're talking about this character, you. So when you get in the habit of doing that, writing songs and writing stories starts to become easy because I see myself as a character in a movie, in a story, but it's my story, but I'm also the observer. So there's like two, two things happening, you know? So, it, it that helps a lot with the writing process because everything that happens to you starts to become a thing of interest even when it's bad you're like it's still beautiful because it's part of the story well do you find because i journal a lot in fact i probably have 10 different journals for 10 different nice. things and um i'm getting back in the habit i let it slip there for a couple of months but what i find when i'm journaling is that i get answers to questions i didn't know i had mm. Wow. That really opened the doors for what it is I truly want to do and be in life. Yeah. That's the subconscious coming through. Mm -hmm. like that's what starts to happen. They say, the more you write, you know, like you've ever read that book conversations with God. Yes. Neil Donald Walsh. So that's, I mean, that's his thing is he was, you know, it's, he's saying these messages are coming from God, subconscious, whatever it is that he, people believe in for him, it's God, you know, but he's getting these answers that are like, how he didn't have a history in any of this stuff, metaphysics and this and that, and they're all coming through. And it's, it's amazing. We are, we are connected to something great. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people don't take advantage of that connection. Mm -hmm. I, I would have to say that uh, reflection, self-reflection is also important. Mm -hmm. Very many people don't take the time to even think about their day or how things went or a particularly upsetting moment and maybe how they contributed to that moment. Uh, you know, those kinds of things that help us to be more emotionally intelligent. Totally. Wow. So you, there's a lyric that I, I came across that you wrote, they pick it up and toss it out like trash mm. and you can watch them across the fields, how they explode with majesty, but the earth is scorched like a heart with holes as deep. Yeah. One and only. It sounds like a heartbreak to me. Yeah. Um, 
it's funny that's one of the one of the few true love songs I ever wrote it's called one and only and I wrote it at a time when I was dating I was playing the game I was on the field so to speak in in the game and um that was my observation is we live in a time where people yeah they they think especially when you live in a big city like Los Angeles there's always something better around the corner mm-hmm. there's always the next best thing hmm. people don't really try to get to know each other um but on day if there's something's off it's like okay toss it out like a weed move on i'll find something better you know uh oh this is pushing my triggers this is making me think about something i don't want to do bye see you later um you know we were all probably those people at 1.2 and then you grow up and you realize i want something real i want something and you start to understand that a relationship um will never become anything will never grow if you keep running away from yourself essentially so that's uh, the lines you you um quoted is is kind of what i was experiencing and witnessing especially with friends of just couldn't couldn't understand it it's like oh everything's going great and then all of a sudden this person gets ghosted it's mm-hmm. like they never hear from the person ever again and it's totally acceptable and nobody has to make a phone call or talk about it or process it or say hey i'm sorry like i just even if you're like hey i'm not into you i'm sorry you're not doing like that's something be honest but i just yeah be honest and um and i think i've learned you know and i'm lucky that i'm in a relationship now great one and i've learned that you know it's like wow you want to run but you don't and you work it out and then you go deeper and it's on the other side of that is so good mm-hmm. it's that's love you know that's the real thing i we're I think such that, a disposable society and yeah. so much of what we have so in life much. is disposable and unfortunately and this is something that i've been deeply exploring over the last year after having gone through something like that is I'm tired of being disposable. So how do we stop that? Yes. And the online dating thing. I mean, the fact that it's so, you know, that's adds to it. Yes. Because nobody thinks it's special. Like, it's like, oh yeah, I want to meet somebody else. Well, it's like shopping for a new pair of pants, you know, Mm -hmm. you just swiping right or swiping, you know, it's as easy as a swipe. And uh, boy, that line caught me because I felt mm. the uh, how disposable we are as right. humans. I felt that when I read that, and it's just more disposability. You know, I mean that right. we treat everything like it's got no value. And so, uh, thank you for that really profound lyric. It's just one sampling of. Um, the depth of your talents I wanted to share with everyone. Thank you so much. And the song in the Sharon Stone movie, it's um yeah. it's only love. Yes. That's that's the name of the song and the movie is all I wish. Yes. Okay. Yep. So now how did that happen for you? So that was really cool because I actually um just had a I actually had a friend who was working on the film behind the scenes something with music, but not necessarily like directly um, placing the songs. But he's like, listen, I know this director uh, and she's looking for some music. And I, I think your stuff is really right for this film. And I said, okay, well, you know, I didn't think much of it, but um, I gave him like three or four songs. And uh, I remember he, you know, I was lucky enough where he had me watch like a cut of film. And I'm like, listen, tell her, tell the director, that this is where I think this one might be good. So I, I did have like an in with it and um, never heard anything. He's like, I'm gonna give it to her. I can't guarantee anything I'm giving her. They're giving her tons of music. And then uh, next thing I know, a couple months later, I get a call from him and he's like, listen, Su- Susan Walters, she loves, loves this song. She's like really into it and she wants to put it in the film. And I was like, wow, it was my first like, you know, legit placement in a film. And um, and it was such a treat because I got to go to the premiere and I got to meet Sharon Stone. <laughs> wow, and, so uh, cool! And it was so funny because my friend who was there with me, who was working with them, he, I said, "I'm going to go up to her and talk to her." And he goes, "Uh, uh 
I go, no, I'm here, whatever. My song's in the film. So I walk up to her and of course, she turns back, kind of looks at me like, what do you want from me? Who are you? <laughs> she didn't know. And then I said, hey, I'm Joseph. I, um, one of my songs, it's only love. And her whole face changed. And she's like, oh my God, I love that song. <laughs> and uh, so all the, it's like, she just, you know, once I kind of announced myself and uh, she's like, oh my God, I love that song. I love all the music from this film. And they had like this playlist that all the actors and people were listening to and it was on there. So that was cool. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you said it was your first legit, legit. Uh, yeah. Um, there have been I more. Had, well, recently, recently, it's really exciting because, again, you know, I found in this business, it's funny, you can you can get like a sync licensing agent and stuff. And I'm I've got feelers out there for that. And I'm really hoping that my catalog gets repped by, you know, big people. Um, I'm constantly looking for that. However, a lot of my placements and things that happen, happen through people that know me. I'll post something, they'll be like, I love this song, I'm working on this, you know, da da da. So what happened recently was uh, my friend Robbie was, um, you know, someone I've been connected to for a few years. He used to come to this open mic I used to host. And um, he's like, hey, I, I made a movie and um, can you play me what you have recently? And I played him a song called Thank You, which is on my latest um, full length album that was released in 21. And he loved this tune. He's like, I'm going to put this in my film. I'm like, sure, sure. This is an indie film. We'll see what happens. He ends up featuring it. Like there's a scene where the actors are actually singing the song as well while they're oh. playing it. Next thing you know, this guy does this feature. He is featured in the New York Times in Rolling Stone. So all of a sudden my song is getting all these Shazams and his film has gotten like a, you know, a nationwide, uh, you know, like release? nice, nice little release. Mm. And he is, it's his like first, you know, major film. And it's exciting. I talked to him the other day and I said, like, listen, every time I see you post something about one of these huge publications, um, talking about your film, I, I'm so moved because it's such a win for independent artists. I mean, I, this is a film he, he made on, on very little budget. And it's a horror film that takes place in the, you know, in the desert, but it's got up leading up to all the madness that happens. It's all these beautiful landscapes and this, these relationships with these friends. And that's where the song is thrown in. So it's, it's kind of nice. It's, you know, you start to kind of meet people along the way and they're in the business and you're in the business. And then people start to think of you if you keep doing your thing. They think of you. Mm -hmm. If you do yeah. it well. Yeah. And, you and what else do that. What else makes them think of you, Joseph, other than the good music? What do you think? Um, I think, you know, I am a, I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy. I'm, I'm a good friend. And, you know, like this friend who did this film, for example, he loves to sing. And I remember he used to come down to my night and I would push him and I'd say, you're getting up there. You're, you know, and I, I just, I have good, solid connections with people. And I, I think that goes a long way. And I, you know, I don't do it with any motives or uh, ulterior motives, but just to connect with people who are creatives and people that I enjoy. And, um, you know, so I think when you do that, people think of you more, you know, mm -hmm. and the talent is definitely a part of it. But like they say, you know, talent, being talented will get you in the door, but it won't keep you there. No, you have to be a nice person. And more well, than I'm ever, yeah. more than ever. Because people yeah. are, you know, clicking and and doing projects with people they like to work with. Mm -hmm. That's right. Exactly. I mean, it's it's uh, for for me with you. I, I remember calling you one time, and this is I think when we first started working together, and it was yep. a rush, 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 rush. <laughs> you were just so calm and flexible <laughs> and joyful, and so now it's like you're one of you're right there at the top of my head. Love that all the time because I would, you're the type of people I want to work with. You know, we, uh, go ahead, please. I'll just say ditto on that, honestly, because I remember the first gig I worked with you guys, I sent an email just being like, I just want to say how awesome this was, this experience was because everyone is so, you're so on top of it. And, and there is that like 
just people are friendly and nice. And, you know, it's like, I think people sometimes think like you're in the music business or movie business and people are cold and quick. And, but it's like, you treat people like they matter. Mm-hmm. They're not just a number. It's like, Hey, can you make this mm-hmm. gig? Okay. Bye. But you know, it's kind of like, Hey, there's like, there's actually like a real person talking to you. So, you know, well, thank you. That. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yes. Sometimes we don't feel like real people though. I have to be honest. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I've uh-huh. been doing this a very long time, and mm-hmm. one of the one of the things I I've said from the very beginning is, talent is talent. But being on time, being pleasant, being flexible, being prepared, prepared. those things matter more than talent. Big and time. Uh, you really do e- exhibit and represent all of that, and it makes it easy for us, you know, because yes. We want to know that when we send someone, we're not just sending somebody who plays great, right. but somebody who's going to be all those things, you know, right. and and somebody who's going to be able to handle it when they're thrown a wrench, you know, or, you know, something happens that we're not really expecting that that all comes to play. Um, totally. And so it's the events world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Always going to happen. So what's different now? than it was pre-pandemic, if anything, for you? I think the, the thing that the pandemic did for me, and you may be able to relate, relate with this, is afterwards, I've stopped doing things that don't make sense anymore, if, if that makes sense. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I will not waste my energy and time doing things that do not vibrate with me with my frequency love that client might reach out hey can you do this thing and it's like oh god this sounds like it's gonna be and i just say no because the pandemic made me realize it's like if i'm gonna be pulled away from my environment with my beautiful cats and my partner and my life and it has to be worth it you know whether it's monetarily or experientially it it's not enough you know like we i feel like before the pandemic i was really saying yes to a lot of things that that i was just saying yes to because i thought that's what you do you can't mm-hmm. you cannot never say no to an opportunity i don't care if they just want to pay you like you know 200 bucks to play in a bar for six hours that's people want you to do that it's insane i i've worked in catering i've worked in events i know how much money people spend on servers and food and this and that and then they want to pay the musicians like 200 dollars or less and that's not to say i won't do those gigs i've played old age homes i've played this i played that i'll do things that feel right resonate with your heart exactly where i'm like okay these people really don't have this budget you know or people i like to work with i'll do stuff for but that's, I think, the main thing that the pandemic has changed. It's like, you don't need to do something if it doesn't feel right. You don't need to do that. Life is too short. And, um, and you know, you're better off being home writing a song than going out there and being in an environment where, you know, it's going to be like a bunch of screaming uh, drunk people. Well, and I want to add from an agent's perspective that I applaud that because you know, that old adage, if you're not having fun on stage, nobody's having fun. If you're not enjoying what you're doing, it's not really a pleasant experience. And right. yeah, you can fake it till you make it. But we we often tell our artists, we're going to ask you sometimes to do crazy stuff. If you don't want to do it, please right. say no, because right. we'd rather you say no than try to force it. And it's not a good experience for anybody. Absolutely. And at some point, you just, you know, your worth, you know, you know, your value and you just go, well, this is what it is. And I'll feel really good if it's, you know, if it's this deal, I'll feel good about that. I'll feel really good. Cause I love what I, I mean, the truth is I love, I love to play, I, you know? So I just have to sometimes just rain my, be like, this is just going to be not a good fit. Don't do it. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's okay. You don't have to do it. Is that working for you? Is that approach? Yeah. It yeah. is. I, I will say it is because it's created so much space in my life where it's not like, oh my God, I have to do all these things. It's like, no, I get to do it. Mm -hmm. I get to, I don't have to do any of this. 
and it's you know, it's it's not leading to less, which is the fear, no, right? No, because ah, uh, you said it, and I think that's that is the truth. Is when you set your bar at a different level, then you know it might seem that way for a little bit, but then you're like, oh wow, I actually got this offer, mm-hmm. which is now meeting me where I really want to be. Mm-hmm. But that's never going to change if you just keep doing the same exact things over and over. It's hard in our society to not have a lack mentality, but it's the lack mentality that makes you have lack. Totally. That's so true. <laughs> totally. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's like it's... this desperate. It's like, oh, oh, they want me. They want me. Oh, I have to say yes. It's like, well, okay. If that's how you feel about yourself, you know. Um, and if you do, you should start journaling. That's all. <laughs> Maybe. Right. <laughs> that right around. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, so I'm intrigued by something. We're all intrigued by yeah. your writing ability, but you yeah. also write custom songs. Yes. Is that more difficult than writing an original song that you come up with on your own or less or the same? It's probably the same, if not easier. Because the ones I've done... And these have come up like, it's not something I do like regularly, but if say I'm playing a wedding or something and I offer it up and someone says, oh my God, I want to do that for her or for him. Um, The cool thing is they're kind of co-writing because what I do is I do an interview with them. So say you wanted to write something about somebody, you know, like mom, partner or whatever. We would just sit and they, and I go, okay. So I have a bunch of questions that I ask, you know favorite memories, um, how do they make you feel, uh, tell me a really funny story, da, 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 da. I get all this cool information. And then, not to sound like, but we did talk about magic, and I do believe in magic. So I do too. I'm right there with you. What happens after the interview is I go home, and I really feel, I feel what's happening with this relationship. I feel it. I kind of get into it and then there's like a third entity that comes in it's like me the person who's hiring me to write the song and then there's this third beautiful energy that comes in and what needs to come through comes through comes through in a song for these people and everyone i've written it's just i've had just just break down tears like they they're just like how did you do that and for me it's like i don't know it's really easy because you told me your story and i think that's the psychologist in me is that i i get into their story i get into the relationship and i'm like okay this is cool i can i can relate to this i can relate to that and um and then this this song comes out with their names and their experiences and what they want to say to each other and um yeah, it's, it's actually really fun. It's, you are it's truly an empath. Reaction. Mm, yes. Truly. I you think are that, truly an that's, empath. Yeah. That's what um, helps, I think. Yeah. Where did you and, learn that? Where does that come from? The custom song? Thing? No. Or being the empath. an empath. Be, being able to connect on that emotional level with people. Uh, is that it's, something you've always been able to do? It It's something I... I've been aware of since I was a kid. I kind of remember like I would have to, and I think it's like when you grow up, uh, I feel like I had to be the, hold the frequency in a room a lot when I was growing up. Like I had to change the vibe or like make it so there's no conflict. Like I was that kid who Mm. had to learn to, be very sensitive to everybody's um, point emotions, of view. Yep. point of view, and be like, oh, well, you shouldn't say that now because I know this is what's happening and that will turn to this or say this now. You know, so I think it's it's one thing that was just kind of, you know, I came into this world with, but it's also that growing up that way and then and then just being drawn to, you know, just – psychology and the human condition and um and just have this knack for always being the friend who after i have a conversation with a friend they're always like 
oh my God, oh my God, you just changed my life. Like I feel so much better. Like I never saw it that way. But it's something that is very natural for me, which is why at one point I thought, okay, well, being a psychologist would probably be a good job for me because I can, I make people feel better because, um, but I think you that's are though, in happens. essence, I mean, you really are in essence through your music. It's just yeah. your, yeah. your therapy is, right. is different, but it's, it's still therapy. Right. right. Are and you, you know, the youngest? Are you the youngest? I'm the, I'm the middle. Oh, interesting. Yeah. A well-adjusted middle child. I know, totally. I'm <laughs> the middle child actually is, the, you know, they say is like the one that kind of has to manage all the, because you're just, you know, the firstborn is, uh, and then the, yeah. it's. Um, I don't know where you heard that, but I have never heard that ever. What is, what's your life. order? Do you have siblings? Yes, um, we bo you, we're both yeah. the babies. And I'm the, Stars. I'm the one, I'm the you in the family. Okay. And I'm the you in my family. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So fun. Uh, the fact that you, and, and, and is it fair to say that culturally it's uncommon to, to be no, so connected I mean, emotionally? For me as a man, yes because i was raised to be like i definitely was different for my parents like uh you know my dad's very traditional kind of masculine roles the role feminine you know this you know when i was younger you know oh well you should want a helicopter and you should want cars and you should want to play with this and that and i was like not interested in any of that stuff you know i was like i just want to write my songs and choreograph my sisters dances with her friends mm -hmm. <laughs> do all kinds of creative things and you know being also very aware that i'm not supposed to like those things i'm right. supposed to like boy things you know so though so i was raised in culturally you know my parents culture and where they you know were born and came from is very much you know assigned roles and like this is how you know men don't really cry and don't open up that much and they have to be the rocks and you know, and uh, women are the most more kind of allowed to connect in that way. But um, I always knew that it was not, you know, that's part of my my kind of journey is that uh, I, I wasn't that. And, um, and, you know, that's, it's amazing how self possessed you are. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's not easy to grow up knowing you're not the same. Right. Feeling different and having to deal with all of that and being right. as emotionally intelligent about it right. as you are. It's really, it's impressive. Now I know why and we you, work with you so often. It's easy. <laughs> and, and you wonder, but you wonder like, why is it that some kids have that? Like, cause I never felt when I was going through it, I never felt like, Oh, I, I'm not going to be able to handle this life. And I'm, I kind of always had this knowing like, they don't know, they don't get it. But I know. Right. You know why. You said it in the very beginning of this podcast. Remind me. Yes, me too. I'm curious. Okay, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go into. Who's paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> well, because you're speaking my lingo. I mean, I'm in a class right now called consciousness studies. So, um, but you said you believe in past lives. And, yes. you know, yes. so you came in with this yes. desire yes. to fulfill this. So you knew, you know, mm -hmm. even if you didn't consciously know at that age mm. you spiritually and, and unconsciously subconsciously knew subconsciously not unconsciously yeah. knew what your role and what what right. how you could affect people and now that plays through in your music yeah yeah there is a knowing and you just go there has to be something before because like why you know how how could a kid be like so you know just know that everything's going to be fine and you're exactly where you need to be. Um, and then kids that grew up in the same house are very different from each other. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if it's all, you know, learning, then we would all be the same. But I think we all come with different predispositions and different memories or histories. Maybe, maybe. Mm. I want to research you for my research paper. <laughs> 
Another call is coming soon. Exactly. <laughs> we'll have a whole call on like uh, past lives and magic and all kinds of things that we. Right. There's that's a whole other conversation. You know, I wanted to ask you this question earlier uh, before you talked about you know only taking things that really um, vibrate with you that yeah. you you know you feel are right for you. I wanted to ask you, and I'm going to ask you now: How much of your performing do you do for private? events for meetings events the kinds of bookings that we bring you on uh, quite a bit yeah like um i've actually gone more in the last couple of years two three years i've gone more in that direction of private events than public events one thing that you know we talked about after the pandemic that i started doing less was just playing like just regular hollywood venues where you have to like do all the promoting and bring mm -hmm. everybody and all that kind of went away. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm only going to do a public show when it I'm promoting a new album, a new single, um, something that makes sense because those aren't, those gigs are a lot of work and you hire mm -hmm. a band and you do this. So I have been leaning more towards the private, you know, gigs that are worthwhile financially, experientially, um, because that makes more sense. You gotta make a living too, you know? Mm -hmm. And and at some of those gigs, sometimes I'm like, I can't believe this is my job. <laughs> Cause it's also so enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's definitely, I've, and it's a lot of it happens word of mouth. Like I'll play at someone's baby shower and then a year later they'll call and someone's getting married. And then I play there and then someone's, my, my thing I realize is my, my thing is i get hired when people see me play that's my you know that's why sometimes i will take gigs that aren't you know maybe at my um you know rate or something because I'm like oh there's going to be a lot of people here this is going to be wonderful and i'm going to get a lot of clients thank you for sharing all that it's uh it's important and i i wanted the listeners to hear yeah. because the private gigs are not risky you're not you know hoping for a full house in order to cover your costs or make a few dollars and it's they're a good way to supplement your your career as a singer songwriter because you don't have to worry about where your next dollar is coming from right. and so the approach is just so smart and i'm so glad that you shared it in the way that you did because it does mean that you know you have to make sure that you are on time and that you're flexible and you're willing to do you know bring extra things and be ready to go yeah. but it pays off in the end uh because it does allow you the freedom am i wrong to do uh, to focus where you really absolutely. want to absolutely absolutely and you're doing something very close to your initial goal in the first place mm -hmm. it's not like you're it's not like you're you know waiting tables and I'm, believe me i've done a lot of that and, and doing this and that you're actually you're playing music and when you play those gigs you every gig you do you're a stronger artist That's right you get something you learn something you meet people and those people many times will follow you will listen to your original music mm -hmm. you know it's yeah sometimes you're just the guy with the guitar fine but a lot of times at these private gigs especially the the intimate ones uh, people end up following me and it's like, it becomes like a, they become like close. They become real supporters mm. because you shared like a beautiful, you know, moment experience together. And would you rather be the guy with the guitar or uh, the guy with this bachelor in the kitchen or with the dish rag or not that there's anything exactly. wrong Exactly. when you have the choice and the talent and the ability hands down hands, like not even a question i mean it's yeah exactly and that's i think what what artists and musicians have to really ask themselves is like you can say well i don't want to do cover gigs or i don't want to do this or that and it's like well, what are you doing are you worrying about money are you doing something you really don't it's like that's one thing i've learned as an artist is sometimes you have to really you know and and i'll still do like um side gigs here and there 
just because I've learned that to be worried about money and paying your bills is the greatest creative sucking thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're useless when you can't, you know, fulfill those basic needs. Absolutely. How are you going to be creative, you know? But when you have those taken care of and you have like a home that you're comfortable in, then you can, you can, you know, grow from that and do whatever you need to do. Thank you for that. Well, we're getting the uh, regretful sign to wrap. So <laughs> we have to get to the very nitty gritty of this whole interview and ask you our Belotified Five. <gasps> the Belotified Five. All righty. What is your golden rule, Joseph? Um, never stop learning. What is one of your daily habits you strongly believe contributes to your success? Journaling. We talked about it, but yeah. starting the day with that, just, just being disciplined and doing the things, whether it's working out, whatever it is that gives you life, keep doing it. And starting the day that way, if I can encourage mm-hmm. that too. What are the things you tell yourself when no one is listening? Chill. <laughs> dude i'll be driving dude chill it's fine you're you're gonna be on time it's fine no like seriously i'll have full-on conversations with myself and and i thought i was weird until i read something once that that actually is is a healthy sign self-talk yes i do it all the time yeah and you know if you had to say to yourself chill or get some energy man which right. would you rather do? You know? Right. right. <laughs> uh, what is the what? What is one change you'd like to see in the industry? And you could tell me in the music industry or the event industry. Um, I well. I would like to see this change and I will preface it by saying that every event, the events I've done with you guys, this is already covered. So this is company excluded. I would say I would like to see venues treat and respect artists like they do other vendors, like at least on that level, compensation wise and like, um hey you're here let's make sure your meal's taken care of let's make sure your parking's taken care of let's communicate with you before and give you everything you need to set you up for success because our job is to show up and do an amazing show and create a vibe and we show up and we do that we have our equipment we have our set list sound whatever so I think what I'd like to see is just more from the other side, venue side of like, hey, like take care of your end. Just make sure that, you know, and and, and like I said, you know, like that's why I enjoyed uh, the first time I worked with you all. I noticed that I was like, wow, I got, I've got so much information. This is amazing. <laughs> like I, you know, cause sometimes you work with an agent, they're just like, here's the address. And I'm like, who are these people? What's the occasion? What is their name? What what kind of music do they like? Nothing. You just show up and you're like, okay, here we go. Okay. That's not really setting you up for success. No, no not at all. Thank you for that. Uh, I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what we do. Um, so lastly, what is your why? Why? Why, why, why? Because it feels good. And I think when you are in joy and living a joyous life, you bring the greatest light to everybody around you. And if more people enjoyed their lives and did what lit them up, I know it sounds like a little bit of a cliche, um, I think the, the world would just be in a better place. 
So I just got goosebumps or as another artist that I've met recently that we're working with, he's a, he's a jewelry maker as he calls them truth bumps. Mm. Beautiful truth bumps. And uh, we'll leave you with the beautiful truth bumps and hope that they I love that. I'm going to use it. Hey, I stole it. You steal it. I'll give him credit. Joseph. Thank you so much. Joseph Eads everyone thank you for joining us thank you so much for having us looking forward to hearing more about you and your career and working with you more it's just the beginning thank you so much thank you pleasure didn't know that this road had something better to give me I love you so good I love you so bad I see you now as two sides of the same track I love you so good I love you so bad I raise a glass I laugh when I look Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. Did you know life had a much larger piece in store? If you could only let go of the crumbs you're begging for when you walk on by hold your head up high know that all of your loss will be your life like a newfound key it will set you free to be whole to be loved is your destiny Of the same track I love you so good I love you so bad Let's raise a glass And laugh When we look Same track.